0: Exodus chapter 24. We may move quite quickly through some verses this morning. And I pray God help us to say and to hear what you want said and what you want heard. Exodus 24 and verse number 4. Got it. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which... This is what these young men did that he sent. They offered burnt offerings and they sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. Okay, verse 6. And Moses took half of the blood. This is from these burnt offerings and peace offerings that these young men just sacrificed. He took half of the blood and put it. Now you know sister Annie. She asked me a question for you. He took half the blood and put it in basins. There's probably more than one because he there were 12 tribes of Israel. He took half the blood and he put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and he read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said, will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning All these words. Now, we just read five verses. And you can read those verses and you can miss it if you're not careful. He built altars, right? Pillars for 12 tribes of Israel under the hill, 12 pillars according to each tribe. Then he got the young men and said, now you sacrifice, burn offerings and peace offerings. And as they sacrificed, they took these animals and began to sacrifice them. Blood spilled out. And the blood was gathered together, half of it. In basins, I don't know how many basins there were, I can't even begin to imagine. But they gathered basins of blood. And the other half, I can't imagine how much blood there was. But the other half, they took all that blood and, he, and Moses put it on the altar. Not like sat it there. Covered the altar with the blood. How would you like worship to start like that? Some of you might be like, man, the sight of blood, I get woozy. Well, you might have passed out and got picked back up. But that's exactly what happened here. And so... It's it's not enough that they just, you understand, they all witness this taking place. And all of this blood and all of these basins of blood now. And and then Moses begins to take the blood and the basins and the other half that he put on the altar. Then he takes the book of the covenant, whatever that book of the covenant looked like then. He takes the book of the covenant. Reads it and then he takes the blood in the basins and Moses it's okay there's nothing in case you didn't know this. <laughs> Moses takes the blood in those basins and he begins sprinkling the people you want to talk about worship getting interesting I don't know how long it took. But the word says he sprinkled all the people. Sprinkled it on the people. I just imagine. He read it. And then basin after basin. He finished. He went back. He got another basin. Went to the people. I want you to see this picture. I want you to. Get a picture of what the Lord had him doing. Basin after basin. Basin after basin. You understand, there wasn't just 70 or 80 people. There were 12 tribes of Israel. There were families and generations and nation, a nation of people. God was trying to get them to see something. And Moses went. I don't know what it looked like, him walking through that multitude but he took ba- after basin, after basin, and he sprinkled the blood on the people. Leviticus chapter one. I know Leviticus is so many of your favorite book. I'm going to move quickly. These men already have the verses, so you can keep up in your Bible. We'll stay in Leviticus, so if you turn fast, you'll probably be okay. Leviticus chapter 1 and verse number 3. Leviticus 1 and 3. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, and shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Chapter number 3 and verse number 2. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 7. If he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about. Upon the altar in verse number 12. And if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about. Read chapter 4 of Leviticus. Read chapter 5 of Leviticus. Read chapter 6 of Leviticus. And again and again and again, you'll see repeated this pattern. When one would sin willfully or ignorantly, one would trespass the word of God and sin, there was a pattern. You bring your sacrifice alive to the Lord. You put your hand on the head of the animal that you bring. And there you kill it. And then the blood is taken by the priest and put upon the altar. What was going on? I want you to get a picture in your mind. We need to see this and understand what God was wanting His people to see. You need to understand your sin causes death. Your sin brings blood. Your sin causes the shedding of blood. So, when you come and you bring your sacrifice for sin or trespass, you don't get to just hand it to the priest and walk away, but you stand there in front of the priest. You bring it to the Lord, and when you bring it to the Lord, don't turn your head and walk away. Set your hand on the head of that animal that you brought from your flock, and you stand there with your hand upon its head, and you kill it, and when you kill it, that blood's going to get on you. But I want you to know the blood is being spilled for your sin. Israel, this is something you do from generation to generation to generation. What was the Lord doing? He was trying to get them to understand you can't separate your sin without blood, you need to know there's going to be blood spilled for your sin. Put your hand on its head. Read it. All of those chapters. You got that picture. A man comes for his family. His family's trespassed the law of God, or there's been sin. He brings his goat, or he brings his lamb from his flock. This is his livelihood. He brings it to the tabernacle of the Lord. The priests are waiting there for him. The lamb is bleeding, the goat is baying, or whatever they do. He stands it there knowing this is my offering for my sin or my trespass. You know, it'd be nice if he could just give it to the priest and leave. Doesn't get to. Oh, no, you don't get off that easy. I need you to put your hand on its head and watch the process the dying. I need the priest. to. You need to kill this animal here with the priest. Oh, do you think they would kill it and it was all nice and clean and neat? Should have had Brother TJ get us some videos. Maybe not. Sister Jessica said no. I've dressed out a few animals along the journey. They were all dead when I dressed them out. I've never taken a live one and started to dress it out. You Understand, these were live animals. They brought a live animal before the Lord. I wonder if there's anybody, you just kill it. I don't want to, no, 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 put your hand on its head. Why was the Lord requiring that? They needed to get the blood on them. They needed to understand this is for your sin. Put your hand on its head and let that blood get on you. And again and again, this was worship. This was an offering of sacrifice. It was the shedding of blood. Imagine what they thought when Moses had his basins and was walking through the congregation. Right? Think anybody was like Man, I don't know, but I guarantee I'd have had your attention if I started doing that this morning. Study the scripture. The entire tabernacle it was a bloody place blood on the altar blood on every piece of furniture once a year when the high priest came into the holiest of holies he brought a basin of blood and offered it on the mercy seat the blood and when and when the lord accepted the offering the blood the glory of god would come down between the cherubims above the mercy seat and they would understand their sins have been pushed forward one more year the day of atonement because of the blood blood of a spotless lamb had been presented a lamb without blemish that day and so therefore the priest would begin to dance there in the presence of the Lord and the holiest of holies and the bells and the pomegranates about the bottom of his robe would begin to make the noise that bells I guess and pomegranates do and the people outside the tabernacle would hear the bells and hear the day they would know the priest is dancing the sacrifice has been accepted and a shout would go up for the people but they understood it took blood Took blood. Fast forward to the Gospels, and we see the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me right now, please. Please pray with me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Anoint our ears to hear, anoint our eyes to see, anoint our spirit to receive. Open our understanding of this, your holy word. Bring us clarity and recognition of what you would reveal to us by it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so we see, as we fast forward to the New Testament, we see the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years. And we we find a very familiar story to many of us where Jesus comes to the temple one day. And he comes to the temple and he is angry. There you go. One of the kids found the lights. He comes to the temple and he's angry and in his anger he, he has braided a, a whip cord and he walks into the temple and he begins to throw over the tables of the money changers and he whips and he drives out those that are selling doves and pigeons or whatever they're selling and he, he's whipping it and you can say what you will, I believe that whip probably got onto some flesh and Hit some flesh along the journey and he drove them out of the temple and he flipped over their tables and he said, The zeal of the house of the Lord have eaten me up. Why was the Lord Jesus so angry? Why was the Lord Jesus so fired up, if I can say it that way? I'll tell you why I believe he was fired up because they were no longer putting their hand on the head of the sacrifice. The blood had become commonplace. I'll just go to the temple and buy something. I won't even bring one of my own anymore. It takes too much time and trouble. I'll just go down there. I'll get something from the money changer. I've gotten a little blessed now and I don't need to understand. You know, let me... it's more convenient. Let's hear, how much is a dove today? Okay, great, thank you. I'll take two. Here you go, priest. Do what you got to do. Ring its neck. Thank you. I Push the sin forward. Hey, Alright, what are we doing later? Where are we having dinner? What's going on next? The blood became something casual in their lives. They become complacent about the offering of sacrifice. It became convenient for them rather than consecration for them. Came convenient... They didn't want to deal with their sin, but they didn't want to deal with sacrifice either. They just wanted to be able to have an easy believism, an easy way. God forgive me, I'm sorry. Here's a couple of doves, ring their neck, do the thing you got to do. High priest, thank you. Now it's all good. I can go live my life. And they had stepped away from the dedication and the consecration of putting their hand on the head of the animal, letting the blood get on them, and recognizing there's got to be shed blood, and it's got to be a cost to me. Gotta be a cost to me. He drove them out. He drove them out. Anyone, anyone who gives you an easy path of sacrifice is not your friend. I'm not interested. In an easy path of sacrifice. I want the heart of David. David went to, was it Obed-Edom's house? Went to the threshing floor. So he could make sacrifice. And he says to him. I want your threshing floor. I want." And he says, Obed-Edom says, my king, take it. It's all yours. Take it for free. I'll offer your sacrifice. He said, oh No. I'll not offer sacrifice without cost, but I'll pay you the full price. Why? Because David understood. I'm not interested in a sacrifice that doesn't cost me something. I'm not interested in trying to just appease my sin or my trespass. I'm willing to put my hand on the head of the lamb still. I'm still willing to put my hand on the head of the goat, if you will. Let the blood be shed, but let it cost me something. I'll pay you the full price. So Jesus drove them out of the temple. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11. Hebrews 9 and 11. Again, I'm going to move quickly. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, By a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. I don't know if you know how much that verse means. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. When's the last time you had somebody die for you? When's the last time you had someone that was alive have their blood? poured out while they were alive for you. You know, the suffering that Christ went through, all of it was prophesied except for the crown of thorns. You can't find in the Old Testament any prophecy of the crown of thorns being put on his head. I'm not here to speculate today or declare something as biblical fact. It is a biblical fact that the crown of thorns was placed on his head. And men put it there. And I believe the crown of thorns pierced his head and blood began to flow out. I can't help but read that and think of Jesus' parable of the seed and the sower and saying that some seed is sown in the field and thorns spring up and they choke out the word of God. Those thorns, they're the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches can help but wonder if maybe those are the very things that were represented by the crown of thorns on his head. Could it be the crown of thorns in some ways even symbolic of the hands of men being put on the head of the sacrifice? Something had to read it throughout Leviticus 1 where we read 3 where we read chapter 4, 5 and 6. Read it. Every time, put your hand on the head. But the only time I find anything on the head of the Lamb of God is this crown of thorns pressed on His head. The priest could not go into the holiest of holies without blood from a sacrifice. He had to have the blood of a lamb without blemish on the Day of Atonement. To be able to walk into the holiest of holies. No blood, no entry. He walked in there without blood. He'd be dead. He had to. Jesus Christ understood the law. He was a Jew under the law. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. So when Jesus Christ entered the holiest of holies. Where we read here in chapter 12. He did not enter by the blood of a lamb without blemish. He was the lamb without blemish. And so he shed his own blood to enter in. Why would a man give his own life and allow his own blood to be shed? The same reason a lamb was killed in the Old Testament. The Lamb of God was crucified in the new. To make a way to remove my sin and to enter into a place that I could not enter. So that the glory of God could be made manifested and revealed to you and I. And obtain eternal redemption for us. Hear me, someone, not partial redemption. Not today only, but if you mess up tomorrow, no more redemption. Eternal redemption purchased by the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. It was ever in the mind of God that blood would be spilled to remove my sin and yours. So he obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Skipping down to verse 18. Whereupon, neither the first testament, that's the Old Testament, was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken, watch, for when Moses had spoken every precept, that's the reading of the book, when he'd spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and the blood of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and he sprinkled both the book. And all the people. That's what we just read in Exodus 24. Here the writer of Hebrews is drawing the memory back. For the Jews to understand what you were doing, what Moses was doing. And remember Moses' word, this is the covenant, the blood of the covenant. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to bring them forward to recognize what Christ did for them. What Moses did that day was simply something to show you that one day the blood, that blood could only push things for a year. But the blood of Christ is doing something that blood of that single lamb year after year could not do. Moses sprinkled the book in the people, verse 20, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. No forgiveness. No removal of sin. Aren't you thankful there's blood that's been shed today? Chapter 10, verse 3. But in those sacrifices, Talking about the Old Testament. There is a remembrance again made of sins every year. It just went year after year. Hear me. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If I remember your sins and you remember my sins year after year, it tells me you're living under the law, not under the blood of Jesus Christ. Brother Reuben was in the Holy Ghost when he said what he said. about a love of God covers a multitude of sins. I don't know if you heard that. It's the first thing he said when he took the microphone. And then he said, I can stand by my brother without judgment. What is that? That's the blood of a spotless. lamb. It doesn't remember every year. That's what the adversary does. Let me remember. Let me remind you of yesterday. Let me remind you of last week. You know what I want to say? I'm covered, covered, covered by his blood. Washed. I've been covered. Oh, I'm not perfect, but Brother Martin, I've been covered. Been covered by the blood of the Lamb, He entered once by His own blood to obtain eternal redemption for me. I don't even know what verse I'm on. Three. I'm glad we got a screen. Help me remember. Remembrance made of sins every year. That's Old Testament verse four. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Verse number 9. Then said he, lo, speaking of the Lord, I am come to do your will, O God. He taketh away the first. That's the Old Testament, the old law. That he may establish the second. That's the new covenant that, thank God, you and I are under. Verse 10. By the which will we are you just lift your hands and thank him for that right now if you believe that by the which will we are sanctified that's made clean that's made presentable that's made holy sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all once for all Skip down to verse 14. I really wanted to read all of chapter 9 and 10. Verse 14: For by one offering he hath perfected or completed forever them that are sanctified. That's you and I. Stop listening to the devil, he's a liar. Stand on the word, it's true. Verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's a witness. You're either going to listen to the Spirit or you're going to listen to your flesh. The Holy Ghost is a witness to us. If I walk in the flesh, I'm going to live in condemnation. If I walk in the Spirit, it's a witness to me of the power of the blood in my life. And in the life of my brother and my sister. The Holy Ghost is a witness to us, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And Watch verse 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember. When? When? You see the contrast between verse 17 and verse number 3? Verse number 3 says... Those sacrifices, there's a remembrance made again every year. Verse 17, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. The law remembers. The law remembers. But thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Christ is. Being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. I will remember no more. Verse 18. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. You don't have to offer anymore. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter. I know I'm reading sort of slow, but the Holy Ghost is wanting us to get the word today. Get the word. Brother Joel, I have boldness to enter into the holiest of holies. Say, you're not a Levite. You're not a high priest. No, I'm not. But I'm covered by the blood of a spotless lamb. The shed blood of Jesus Christ covers me. And so I came this morning and I lifted my hands and worshiped Him. Not because I'm worthy in myself. I didn't offer a lamb today. I didn't offer a goat today. And He didn't ask me to. Some of you, you think you can't worship until you offer your lamb or your goat. Sorry, that's not in the notes. Of course, a lot of this is in the notes, but here we are. Yeah, you, you, you're you still living in the law. You don't realize it. You come to the Lord. You had a, go back to Leviticus, you had a trespass or a sin, willfully or ignorantly, and you... And then you come to the house of God and there's a spirit of the Lord that's present to minister and to worship. And rather than you simply finding a place of repentance and repenting before the Lord and believing the word of God and the work of his blood, you got this idea, well, I've got to go through some type of process where I offer my lamb and I offer my goat and maybe he'll accept it. But right now I just can't worship because I I come boldly not because of what I've done. I come boldly because I believe in what he's done. We have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us. You notice none of this. We didn't do any of this. Not my righteousness, not my goodness, not my being perfect. Thank goodness. He did all this. He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful. I know you saw me close my Bible. I'm not quite done here. Hold on with me. I don't think the Lord's quite done. Jesus goes to Gethsemane. Peter, James, and John go with him. He goes a little bit further and he begins to pray. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will. But your will be done. I marvel that the only time we find Jesus openly declaring his struggle with his own will. Is right before he fulfills the will of God and purpose. Oftentimes when you're right at the destiny God has for you. Is when the battle becomes the greatest between your will and his. If it's possible, if it's possible, Lord, I'd like to live. But if not, your will be done. He rebuked Peter when Peter tried to talk to him about living and not dying. But when it's getting close... The battle of the human will. The Bible says he sweated as it were great drops of blood. Somebody recorded that. Somebody saw that. Somebody saw that. I don't know if it was just Peter, James, and John. Or I don't know if he came back with Peter, James, and John and those others. And his garments had spots in them from where he sweated as it were great drops of blood. There's a medical condition whereby we understand this can actually happen. That blood can come out of one's pores. And I I believe some, if not just Peter, James, and John, maybe even more. I believe they saw the evidence in his garment of him sweating great drops of blood. And they identified he's in great anguish. He's in great anguish. I mean, he had just told them that night. When he gave them the cup, the fruit of the vine said, take, this is my blood poured out for you. He told them. And then there in Gethsemane, right after sweating the drops of blood, the soldiers show up with Judas. Judas kisses him. Jesus says, friend, soldiers take him. Some follow afar off. Nobody's with him anymore. He's on his own. The lamb has now been separated out. They take him. They take him to Gabbatha. Many of you know the story of the pavement. They secure him to a post. And they begin to beat him. While he's alive. I have a question for you. Do you think the Roman soldiers that were beating him got any blood on them? Can you imagine what it felt like? For Peter and John and others that knew him. That maybe were mixed in with the crowd. Maybe the unnamed disciples that followed him that watched this public display of humiliation. Watched blood from the Lord Jesus splatter across that place called the pavement. Getting on the soldiers perhaps as they would draw the whip back and go again Coming off the whip and getting on others. It was not a pretty simple, clean, nice little order. The blood of the man, Christ Jesus, was being spilled on the ground in front of them. The blood of this man they had followed was being poured out while he was still breathing. It was as though there was a hand sitting on the head of the lamb while the lamb was still alive. And they were having to watch it be killed before their eyes while it breathed and bleated and the blood is pouring out. And here is the Lamb of God being beaten and smitten. And blood coming out while he's alive and they're watching him die. And then he takes the cross and he begins to walk the way of suffering. Whatever that journey is and people lying the way We see in Luke's gospel that there were women that followed, bewailing and moaning and him turning to them and telling them not to do so. And I believe that what are they seeing? They're seeing the blood of this man that they had heard from, witnessed from, no doubt had touched many of their lives. Who knows what miracles he'd done in them or their families. And they're watching blood pour out of his body They see him fall from the weight or at least no longer able to carry the cross. The scripture doesn't declare if he actually fell or not. But he could no longer carry the cross. And so Simon of Cyrene is compelled to carry it. And Simon takes a cross and I'm sorry, it was not a clean, pretty, nice little T-shaped piece of wood. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe it was a rough stake that he was carrying that had tremendous weight. And it had the blood of Jesus all over it because he'd been beaten bloody within an inch of his life. And this man, Simon, takes this cross and the blood that's on it begins to get on him and he identifies with the shed blood of Jesus. And they're watching him along the way and many people are seeing this man that they know is the Messiah and they're watching him go by. I'm sorry, he's not clean and pretty and nice and neat anymore. They turn their faces from him. He's not comely that we should look on him and desire him and they saw his blood pouring out of his body and they loved him they desired him they had given their lives to following him and they're watching him spill his blood you know what i'm afraid of brother lewis i'm afraid because i wasn't there the blood just isn't as real to me sometimes I'm afraid I could just take it for granted some days. Because I didn't watch him die. I didn't watch him be beat. I didn't watch his skin rip and watch the blood. None of his blood splattered on my feet or my hands. I didn't stand around Golgotha and watch the last bit of blood pour out of him before he gave up his life. I can't relate to that. And so it can be convenient for me somewhere along the journey to just take for granted or God forbid dismiss the power of the blood. Hear me this morning, please. The blood still. it works i can take it for granted and dismiss it or as brother reuben said god forbid i would dismiss it from working in the life of my brother or sister would you stand with me this morning please If I could. This morning. There was some way I could have done it without it just being like, oh, my goodness, he has totally lost his mind. Some of you think that anyway. I'd have found a way to get blood. I would that the spirit of God this morning would supernaturally pass through this room and that you would feel the blood of Jesus getting on you. That His pain, His suffering, His sacrifice would become real to you. Why would they give up their life and follow Him? Because they watched Him be crucified. They watched Him be beaten. They watched the blood flow out of him. Every eye closed this morning. God, in your great mercy, I would. That you would for each and every one of us like never before. Allow us to see the cross. Allow us to see your suffering. Allow us to see the blood poured out for me and for my brother and my sister and for this world in which you've placed me. Father, Not just the blood of Jesus, but the shed blood. It was blood that was shed. It was blood that was shed. It was blood that was shed. You willingly laid down your life. They whipped and beat, and you allowed it for the shedding of blood. I'm opening this altar to you today. If I could sing it, I would. It's the old song that says, There is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you. It is the working of the blood of Jesus. And we need a revelation like never before or a fresh appreciation like never before for the powerful, cleansing, working, loving, healing blood of the Lamb. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. When we read the story, it was the Roman soldiers that nailed him there. But the truth of the matter, it's more than just a cliche. It was my sin and your sin that nailed him to the cross. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. God forbid I take it for granted. God God forbid that I dismiss the working of it in my life or someone else's life. God forbid that I give room to the accuser and remember the sins year after year. You came in to usher in a New Testament by your blood. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. blood. Hallelujah. Come on, the blood still flows. The blood still cleanses. The blood still works. If you and I will humble ourselves before him, the blood is still just as powerful. Come on, the blood makes a way for you to enter the holiest of holies with boldness. The blood makes a way for you and I to come before the throne of God with boldness. The blood makes a way for you and I to walk free from iniquity and sin. The blood makes a way for you and I to stand before Him clean. The blood made a way. The blood made a way. The blood made a way. And it's just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. I won't shy away from it. I won't allow it by your grace, God. I'll not allow it to become casual in my life. I'll not allow it to just become a neat byword in a song or a thought. But God, metaphorically, I'll put my hand on the head of the lamb. Let me just see the shed blood. Let it be applied in my life. Let me see it upon my heart. Thank you for your blood applied to my life.